Well, welcome to the Positive Deposit Podcast, where we transform minds and change lives. I am your proud host, Presley Nelson Jr., two-time cancer survivor, and um, I got a real special guest with me today. Not only is uh, he my brother in Christ, but uh, he was my teammate in 2016 when we took that, that W. <laughs> <laughs> we definitely took that W, you know, and... Um, He's, um, he's an amazing, amazing individual. He's a conqueror, he's a survivor, a good friend. And so none other than Mr. Scott, AKA Thumper Odom in the building. So, hey Scott, just tell us a little bit about yourself and then we're gonna jump right into this uh, candid, courageous conversation. Cool, man. Yeah, I appreciate you having me on, man. Like I told you before, I think it's really cool you're doing this. So just an honor to be a part of this. Um, yeah, just a little bit about me. I, I grew up an athlete. As a kid, I played all sports, so yeah. sports was, that's all I knew really was sports. So I knew, I knew I wanted to be a professional athlete. Um, around 10, I started having knee pains really bad in my, my right knee. Um, didn't really think anything about it. I just kind of played okay. through it and then uh, took me to the family doctors and basically, you know, you're too active as a kid and growing pain. So I was like, cool, I can go back yeah. doing what I do. So. That went on for about four years, just uh, uh, knee pain, going to the doctor, you know, pulled ligaments or growing pains, just to be expected, basically, is what I, is what I was getting out of it. So yeah. but when I was about 14, 13, 14, my knee started to swell. I started to have swelling in my knee. And so um, I didn't think anything about it. I just thought it came with, came with sports. You know, you get Absolutely. injured. You have bumps and bruises. It's just to be expected. So I didn't think anything. And like my drive, my passion was, all right, I need to get to high school. I need to get that letter jacket. The letterman jacket was like everything to me. So I was like, <laughs> I got to get me one of those. So and what's um, the, what? So what? I'm going to bring you to slow down some. What sports were you playing? Like what was what was your thing in, in high school? The main <clears throat> the main one was actually baseball. Uh, I was wow. really baseball was actually the sport I was really the best at. I was always an all stars. Um, and so besides that, I would play football, but I was just, I was too skinny, too small for football. I just did it because my friends were doing it basically. And then I played basketball. I didn't really play basketball until middle school. Um, but I would play all the time at my house and then in our neighborhood, we would always play, but I just didn't have the confidence to like play on a team. Um, I, I can't, I can't say, I can't, I don't believe you, man. The way you were, the <laughs> no, way you were playing. Yeah. I can't, we'll, we'll talk about that. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But why I, when I grew up, I was the only white kid in my neighborhood. So, mm. so I played with all, that's how I was kind of cool with everybody. So I yeah. played all yeah. sports. So I was the cool white kid, but like <laughs> basketball, I really liked, but I knew, I just knew I wasn't that good, you know, as yeah. other kids in my neighborhood. Yeah. So to me, I was just like, I'm just, yeah. what's the point? I'm just not going to play. So, but in middle school, you know, um, you start taking sports a little more seriously because you want to stay in shape to get ready for high school. So that's Absolutely. why I picked up basketball. And it was kind of funny, a funny story, uh, because uh, me, I'm just, I just don't think I'm that good. And so yes. I remember when we were doing tryouts, seventh grade tryouts, and um, my dad, we had practice early in the morning. And right. so we'd get, we'd get the practice, we'd get to the school like 6.30, 6.20, something crazy. And my dad would always give me lunch money because um, I would just pay for cash with my, for lunch. Right. And I remember the day we were in practice, my dad left. And then like 15 minutes later, I see him walking in the gym. He goes over to my coach 
and he's handing them my lunch money because all I know I forgot it. So I just thought I was gonna have no lunch today, but I saw him. I was like, all right, cool, I got my lunch money. Right. Well, that right. day, that day was the day that the teams were listed of oh. like who made the A team, who made the B team, yeah, who made yeah. the C team. Well, I made the A team, which oh. I was shocked to me. But everybody's like, man, there's no way a white boy can make the A team. Like your dad <laughs> paid the coach. So I was like, Right, right, right. I was like, no, no, but they were just giving me, you know, giving me a hard time. But um so, yeah, I made the A team, which was a shock. And then I actually asked to get moved down to the B team just because I was I was on the A team, but I wasn't playing. Yeah, and yeah. I knew I would play more on the B team. So the coach moved me down, and I had a lot of fun playing. But um, right right before high school, my knee got really bad. Just yeah. I couldn't run full speed. It was hurting. And so we actually moved uh, in eighth grade. We moved to another town. Um, it was about 20 minutes south called Joshua. And so it was a big change for me, but um, my the knee got so bad that the I played one year in middle school and I was scoring touchdowns. I was yeah. hitting threes. I was like at the peak of my my athletic on every sport I was playing. So I was really excited about high school because I knew I was going to kind of show what I could do. Right, right. So right before high school starts, they do two a days uh, for freshman football because football is yeah. the first sport that starts. Well, the pain got so bad, swelling got so bad. Like I was falling, my knee was buckling and I was falling. I couldn't, and I'd get up, run wow. again and buckle again. So I went over to the trainer and I was like, it's killing me. Like I finally had tears yeah. in my eyes. I was like, it just hurts so bad. I don't know what it is. And he thought I had a bunch of fluid built up around my knee that maybe I should have a drain. So they sent me to the team doctor, which was at yeah. a hospital. First time anybody took an x-ray in my knee, the whole four years, my knee hurt. And he said he saw a cloud around my knee he really didn't like. And he's mm. like, we need to have an MRI done. So I had an MRI done. But at this time, I'm like, all right, I really messed up my knee because I've been playing on it this whole time. Yeah, my knee's been hurting. So I just thought, all right, I tore, I finally tore something or I finally did something to damage it. I'll have surgery, I'll milk it, and I'll be back, you know, right, next, right. in a few months playing. Well, two days later, the MRI, MRI results come back, and it's actually the first day of high school. My mom pulls me out, like, second period, and we go to the doctor to get the results, and uh, flat out tells me that I have bone cancer, or osteosarcoma, and we're like, what is that? Wow. I was, so we were like, what's... Hear that, when you hear that I have, you have bone cancer, sarcoma, what was, like, going through your mind? What was the reaction yeah, when she said you have osteosarcoma, or she said I'm 100%, you have osteosarcoma, me and my mom looked at each other and were like, well, what is that? Like, we didn't right. know what it was. Yeah. And then she's like, it's bone cancer. And then part of me was like, no, this can't be real. Because <laughs> right. I was I was at a doctor a month ago, and he told me I'm fine, I'm good. Like, it's... so, but I actually asked the doctor to leave the room. Um, I'm, I'm sorry, I asked my mom to leave the room, because I wanted yeah. to ask the doctor a personal question. Absolutely. So when my when my mom left the room, I asked the doctor, I was like, so is this like a bad cancer or is this a cancer that's no big deal? Like, what's the worst that could happen with this cancer? Yeah. And then she says, if we don't do anything, it's been in your knee for at least two years. So if we don't do anything within a year, it's going to spread all over your body and you won't make it. You'll die within a year. And that's it when it was hit in me. your body for two. It's been in for two years. At least two years. Yeah. yeah wow. At least two years. Wow. So when she told me that, then that's when I finally just like, a, I mean, you, you know, the experience It's just, you're just like, oh, man, this is crazy. Like how this yeah. happened. And then like everything around me, I just remember going blurry. Yeah, Everything was just yeah. very blurry. And I just kind of felt like people were talking, but I couldn't hear them. 
Yeah. yeah. I was just like, man, I'm going to die. And I thought I was going to die like the next day or I was just in a, after that, a big fearful, fearful state of, of, of death, of dying for sure. So after you, you know, came out that room, you know, everything's a blur. You're still trying to process this. What was that conversation with your mom after once you, you know, reunited with her? After you told her, hey, let me let me just take care of this. And now, you know, how did how was that conversation? Yeah, I mean, I think she knew like, me and my mom were, were real close. So, yeah. I mean, she when she can look at me and I can look at her and we can already know. Yeah, like, you already knew. Up, yeah. So. Intertwined. So really, no words are really spoken. I mean, once the doctor kind of says this is it, and if we don't, if you don't go to the hospital tomorrow and do a biopsy and then get this port put in and yeah. start chemo within a week, like it's gonna be bad. And so yeah. we knew it was serious. And so I think we were, you just don't really know what to say. So I just remember going home, and then I remember family coming over, but like yeah. everybody was coming up to me, but I. It was, it was just a blur. Like, I just remember, like, figures coming up to me, but I couldn't tell you what people said. It was just, like, yeah. I couldn't hear anything. It was crazy. So you had to immediately go into uh, to treatment, like chemo? Yeah, so they did a biopsy just to confirm it, which it was cancer. And then um, I'd have the, I had two ports put in my chest, my right, my, on the right side. And then why they, had, why they have to put two? So the reason they told me... If, uh, they were, they put two in was because I was going to get a lot of chemo. And so instead wow. of like always using the one port over and over to yeah. give it a break, they would use the other port. So I was taking a lot of chemo um, and like some of the hardest chemo from what they told me. So I know some of the names, but it's been so long ago. I don't no, remember. Right? I, Did they give you R-Chop? Does R-Chop sound familiar? No. It does. Oh, there's so many. There's just so many. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, dang, you know, I couldn't even imagine having two ports. I mean, you know, like just having one, but that's that much chemo. So you had to get all this treatment. You know, what were some of the side effects of having all this chemo inside of you? Yeah, it's funny because the first day that I was on chemo, you know, they were telling me, you know, you may get sick or yeah. you may feel nauseous. So I was like, all right. And then just stuff you see on TV, like somebody yeah. really sick and, and dead. But I remember like I started early or late morning and then I, I was hungry. So I ate a big lunch, which was a mistake, yes. but I ate a big lunch and then I was feeling fine. Like I went to okay. this kid's room and was playing game or yeah. the games that they had at the time. And I was walking around the hospital because I was bored. Yeah. And then, man, just all of a sudden it just hit like late at night. I just got super sick and I wow. threw up, I think, I think I threw up like at least four or five times at night hyperventilating because it was like freaking me out like what's happening yeah. and then from that day on like I was just sick all the time like throwing up almost every day didn't want to eat saw my senses so I, I eventually had to put a sign on my door anytime I was in the hospital like don't bring the food tray in because that just set me off like I would get yeah. sick automatically so smells were real I was real sensitive to smells so people right, if you right. had like cologne or perfume like don't be around me because I'm gonna get sick so wow. it was crazy so so cologne sense just just threw you off yeah yeah for sure see see i didn't even i think for me going through the the aggressive r chopped no i lost a lot of everything hair things of that nature yeah yeah you yeah, know yeah. um and i couldn't believe it i was like this is crazy um but for some apparent reason 
my taste buds were off, but mentally I could always like still know what food tastes like. And I was, I was big on like Jamaican food. So I was always like, well, I remember what it tastes like, but I'm gonna just keep eating it. Um, right, right. So I want to just kind of jump to it. You know, when did you have to, um, you know, what it being, what being that, you know, you're young in high school, you have to go through this, you know, strenuous treatment, um, you know, going from basketball, basketball, baseball, you know, maybe football or just these aspirations you have, like, what was that emotional, the emotional effects on you, you know, being so young and having cancer? Yeah, I mean, it was it was hard because, like I said, I was as soon as I got diagnosed and soon I was in the hospital and then getting sick, like I just I thought any day I was going to die. Yeah. So death was like always on my mind. and I just couldn't not think about it. So anytime we would drive to the hospital, or drive home, I would see somebody pumping gas and be like, I'm never going to be able to do that because wow. I've got cancer mm. or so I was in a big, fearful, like state. And then um, I had people like I didn't know, like from around town or whatever, uh, from different churches coming to pray for me. Yeah. But at the time, like, like we didn't grow up in the church and so we didn't okay. go to church. And so when people would come pray for me, I thought that, all right, I'm going to die now for sure because <laughs> they're praying for me. <laughs> so I took it as a bad thing. Like, oh, they're praying right. for me. I must be dying. When and they're then just trying to have the angels cover you like. Yeah, oh, of course. Yeah. Of course, now I understand it, but it's like, you, I didn't know any different. That's all I didn't know because I didn't yeah. grow up in it. But so I just, I was very scared. But the one thing that was kind of helping me get through it in a sense was I just wanted to get back to playing yeah. sports. That was kind of my outlet. And it's still yeah. to this day to where even if I'm shooting by myself, it's just, I don't think I can, it's kind of that fate, that uh, fate or uh, fog again, where everything around me is just blurry. Yeah. If I'm on the field, if I'm on the court, everything around me is just, I don't see anything. I just kind of in my own space. And yeah, it's, it's a big therapy thing for me. And it turned into be a big therapy thing for me. Absolutely. So that's, that was kind of my one thing I was always looking at is, all right, I'm going to go back and play. I'm going to prove yeah. that I can do this again. I'm, yeah. I'm not this sick cancer kid or whatever not that anything's wrong with that but i just knew like there was something in me that was like don't give this up in a sense see that was that resilience in you and you know we all have to find our therapy you know whether it's yeah. sports i like to ride you know i ride i ride i bought a bike you know that's my therapy and so and it's that time okay. where we zone out um yeah so when did you have to you know talk to us about like i know that you had to you know get amputated you know like yeah. what caused that was it the chemo like why how did we get to that how did you have to get to that point yeah so about two months into my chemo treatment um they kept testing the the tumor in my leg and so yeah. it was getting smaller mm -hmm. um but it was still there and so the kind that i had the osteo it's kind of known for metastasizing so it, it could spread to different areas of the body yeah. And they were really worried about it spreading to my lungs because once it oh, goes wow. to your lungs, it's pretty, it's pretty hard to treat. Yeah. yeah. So I had the main one, uh, right on my, right on my kneecap, pretty much my patella. And then two months into treatment, it was getting smaller, but it was spreading. Oh, wow. So now I had two more spots on top of my knee. And so with it getting smaller, that's good, but it's still spreading. So yeah. we got to do, they got to do surgery pretty quick. And so wow. I remember my doctor, 
he was really cool. Um, he was a younger guy, but he, I remember him. It was one of my like uh, checkups for my blood count and all that stuff. And he's like, right, I need to, right. we need to have a, we need to have a talk is what he kind of said. <laughs> so he was like, he's like, I, I usually don't do this. He said, but you're, you're a young kid, you're active. And he's like, I kind of want you to have a say in this decision. He said, but there's two ways we can go with the surgery. He's like, we need to do surgery really quick, but I want you to kind of have a say in this. Yeah, yeah. So the first option was limb salvage surgery, which limb basically salvage. they would have, basically they would have taken all the bones out of my leg, femur, tibia, all that stuff and replaced it with metal rods. It would wow. save my leg, but I would have to have more surgeries down the road. When I grow, they would have to lengthen the rod inside my yeah. leg. I broke it. If it got infected, that's a whole nother issue. And then they said it would limit me. It would limit me on my activity level. So like no contact sports running would kind of be out of the question. The older I got, it would be harder for me to like lift things. So I'm yeah. like, all right, well, this doesn't sound like me. So what's <laughs> right. <the other> option? <laughs> in, my, in my mind, I'm thinking that, but I'm not saying that. So right. I'm like, well, what's the other option? And he said, the other option is amputation, which I never heard that word before. So yeah. I was like, well, what is that? And how, would, like, how, old you, how old were you when you were having this conversation? 14. And so he said, basically, we would go above where your tumor's at. We would cut your leg off, um, sew you back up. And then he's like, you can jump out of a plane the next day if you want to. Like, your activity level is up to you, basically. It's in your wow. hands, how active you want to be. So at that moment, I was looking at it as, all right, it's either my life or my leg, because I was scared if they go in there and cut the tumor out, cut the bones out with the limb salvage, they may leave a small piece. Everybody, I mean, people are human, make mistakes. Yeah. They may leave a small piece and then it's going to go and then I would regret not doing the other surgery. So I was looking at it as my life or my leg and then sports and no sports. So right at that moment, I knew what I wanted to do. I just didn't say anything because my mom was in the room and I could tell she was having a hard time with this. Yeah. So I remember we go home, very quiet ride home. We're not talking about what happened. And then she finally says, well, what do you think you want to do? And I was like, well, what do you think I should do? <laughs> so we kind of go <laughs> back and forth. And I'm like, all right, well, I'll write what I want to do. And you write what you think I should do. And we'll talk about it, you know, once we reveal yeah. what we're thinking. So I turned mine over and it says amputate or cut my leg off. And then hers was save your leg. So mm. hers was, they, my parents actually wanted me to save my leg. Wow. So of course she's crying, I'm crying, but I just had this peace about me that I was like, I'm okay with this. Like I would yeah. rather be here with one leg or no legs than yeah. to not be here because I'm trying to save something that's not savable in my eyes. So once they kind of knew I was confident and I was cool with this and I was like, let's go do this tomorrow. Like, let's do this. They were like, all right, we'll do this. So yo, Scott, I'm sorry, man. This, yo, your story is amazing. I'm sorry. But like, that's a huge, at 14, you have to decide if I have to cut your leg off. And like, it's, um, you already kind of knew in the back of your mind that I'm going to live life. I'm going to continue. And with one leg or not, I just, I just think that's a, that's just, it's amazing. And um, because we, we think about what 14 year olds think about, right? They're not right, thinking yeah. about these, these heavy topics, yeah. you know, um, they're thinking about now Instagram, <laughs> girls, yeah. you know, or right. just, you know, just playing and you're already preparing for what is to come. 
and you're so fearless. So I commend you. I commend you for being able to be fearless and not scared, you know, of what's to come. Oh, I was scared. I was, <laughs> I was scared. Trust me. I just, I was, like I said, I was so scared of dying. Like I thought like, yeah. this is, this is what I got to do, like yeah. to live. And so we told the doctors like, all right, I want to amputate. And they were like, all okay. right, let's do one, let's do one more MRI just to make sure yep, we make know where sure. everything's at. So they did the MRI. Well, there's two more spots that are on top of my hip. What? So now there's one on my knee, one on top of my knee, and then two more on top of my hip. And they're like, you have no choice. Like we have to take your whole leg. We have to cut pretty much all the way up to your hip off. So wow. walking, walking is going to be extremely difficult. Running is out of the question. And so we just break down in the room crying. Like you're just getting bad news after bad news after bad news. You're just like, oh my gosh. And they're like, well, let's do a biopsy just to make sure that's what it is. Yeah, so yeah. I remember the very, the very next day, uh, they take me back for the biopsy. They put me under. I wake up and I'm in the recovery room. And my mom, I think my dad was, they were over me crying. Or my, yeah. my mom was crying. My dad was out of the room. And I, you'll figure out why he's out of the room. But <laughs> so my mom was crying <laughs> over me. And of course, when she's crying, I know it's bad news. So I'm like, ah, you know, more cancer. And she's like, they never did the biopsy. And I'm like, what? Like I'm, they, I'm, I'm out. Like I just woke up in recovery. Like how did they not do it? Wow. Yeah. So I was like. I mean, I don't know how close I was to losing my whole leg, which it would be a very much difficult, more difficult life for me. But I was just, I couldn't be mad. I was just thankful. Like, thank God it's not. That cancer. was, that was like, God. That was your angel. That was all him. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Now my dad, on the other hand, he was wanting to find somebody to like <laughs> hurt because he was like, we've already been through so much. Who, who, like he right. was wanting somebody. You know, he was about to, he's about to kill somebody. That's what, what yeah. was going to happen. Which is understandable too, but oh, I think absolutely. me and my mom were just, it was finally one sense of relief. Like, ah, oh, finally no cancer. Yeah. And they were like, Yo, you can, you can wait two weeks, like take a breather. And I was like, no, just cut it off. Like, let's cut just get off. this over with. Let's just go for it spread. Yeah. So yeah, so I got, pretty, I was a blessing. Yeah. So after the amputation, um, did you have to continue to get chemo or that was it? Yeah, I had to do about six or eight more months of chemo. Okay. Which okay. was the harder part. It was really hard just because in my mind, like, and then my legs gone, the tumor's gone. So I'm like, why am I still doing chemo? Why? I feel worse. I'm yeah. sick. But they called it like a cleanup crew. It's the protocol. And so just in case there's like a very tiny a spot bit. that I, they can't pick up on an MRI. It just cleans it out, kills it, which thankfully yeah. I, I did the protocol because, yeah, yeah. you know, I've been, I've never been in, re I've never had a recurrence come. So I'm very thankful and blessed Absolutely. for that. So. No, I mean, that's the part that sucks. I mean, I had to do it too, where they were like, well, you've reached this point. We still need you to kind of just finish out. And so I'm grateful for that. So let's fast forward. You, you know, you, uh, you go, do you go to college afterwards? Like, you know, like, how did you get used to, you know, your new way of walking? Yeah, it took me a long time to learn how to walk, uh, months to learn how to walk. So I did a lot of therapy, a lot of outpatient therapy, a lot of practice at home. Um, yeah. But it took me months to learn how to walk without like a cane or a walker. 
Okay. And then to learn how to run was probably years. It took me years to learn how to wow. run the way I do now. So I had to put a lot of work into it um, just to get to where that at. Um, but I think everything I went through and then working so hard on my prosthesis, like I wasn't my social, I didn't really have a social life to begin with because yeah. I'm a, you probably picked up on this, but I'm very quiet. I'm very shy. Very. Very timid. <laughs> so you get on the court with them and then that's a problem. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so like, even when I went back to high school, like it was just, it was like baseball. I went back to play baseball, but yeah. if I didn't go back and play baseball, like I, I didn't, I didn't like high school. Cause I was just, I felt very alone by myself and different. And yeah. so it was very hard socialized, but, um, yeah, it was, it was a big adjustment because, you know, I cut my leg off to get back to sports, but then high school's over. So it's like, all right, like, what am I going to do now? Because I cut my leg off. Yeah, to save my life, but I, I want to be active. And then just knowing that people were looking at me based off my leg, thinking, yeah. oh, he can't run or do this. So it was, it was hard because my dream, obviously, was to go play college and pro and all that stuff. And I had to... It finally hit me when I graduated high school that, yeah, that's not going to happen. That's, that's not a reality for me. So. so so, what did you do next? You know, like, you know, you weren't, you're not going to be able to play pro. What, what was the next steps as you go into adulthood? So I had a big depression after that because, yeah, I felt really lost. Mm. Um, I didn't know what to do. I didn't, I didn't know school-wise what I wanted to do. Nothing, nothing interests me. Um, I just wanted to hoop or play ball. Yeah. That's all I wanted to do. And since that wasn't really an outlet for me, um, there was a prosthetic company um, that heard about me, that I was this active young kid. So they're always trying to recruit people for the Paralympics, which I'm sure right. you've heard of it. Yeah. But I was never a track and field guy. That just, right. I just, I don't want to just run. I need to have a ball or something. <laughs> yeah, I need to have yeah, an objective. Yeah. So, yeah, but I yeah. said, I'll, I'll hear it. I'll try it out because I thought this was going to be my only outlet to basically do this. Right. So I went, I went to Oklahoma City, met with the guys. They put me on one of the, the running legs, the, the cheetah looking legs, mm -hmm. tink legs. They right. put me on one of those. <laughs> <laughs> so I was running on it, but I was, it just felt weird. But they're like, just train on it. You know, they signed me to this four-year contract. I was like, you've oh, wow. never really seen me compete, but you want to sign. It just felt very weird. Yeah. So I remember going back home, trying to train on my own and all this. And my heart just was not into it at all. Right. So I hit I hit them back up. I'm like, hey, man, like, I know we had this agreement, but I was like, right. I, I feel I feel bad, like doing something when my heart's not into it. I said, this is yeah. all new to me. I said, I want to hoop and I want to play ball. I want to do this. And they told me um, no amputee would ever play stand up basketball because it's too hard. Yeah. And there's not enough to do this. So I kind of took that really personal at the time. Mm. And I was, I was 18. So I was, you know, a kid, but I took yeah, it very personal. So I was like, okay, well, you can have your running leg back. You can have all this stuff back. I'm going to try to do what I feel, you know, I'm called to do. So for about four to six years, um, I was trying to get interest in people playing stand-up basketball, amputees. Nice. Never, nobody would ever take me seriously. Um, yeah. Nobody wanted to have the conversation with me. So I was like, all right, if people aren't hitting me out, maybe I need to do something else. So I remember staying after work really late, multiple times, making this flyer, like stand-up basketball, contact yeah. me. I have this idea. I made like over a thousand flyers and I mailed them out all over the country to like Oprah, wow. Mark Cuban, the NBA, yeah. like all of the big people I could think of. They're like, hey, maybe somebody will 
think of this or see interest in this. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't get any callbacks. I didn't get any emails. I got one back and it was from a marketing guy in the NBA. And he said, Hey, I got your flyer. Um, have you ever thought about just playing in wheelchair basketball? And I was just like, dude, bro, <laughs> I want to play stand up. Like, I don't want to sit in the wheelchair. Yeah, right, right. That's like, I have, I have nothing against wheelchair basketball. I was like, but I didn't, to me, like, I had to learn how to walk again. I had to learn how to run again. Yeah. Like, I busted my butt to do this. Why would I just go sit in a chair when I can run and play? Like, it just didn't Absolutely. make sense to me. And I was hooping with my friends here. So I was like, I know, yeah. I know, I know I'm not the only one that can do it. So I was like, all right, I'll do the next thing. So I made, I, did a little video on my backyard. I set like this little camcorder in my parents' backyard. The video's still on YouTube, I think, but it was just me hooping by myself in my parents' backyard. Yeah. And as soon as I uploaded that, I was getting messages from amputees all over the country. Hey. Like, say, hey, bro, like I want to, I've been wanting to do this. I've been waiting for something like this. So I was yeah. like, all right, like I had about five or six guys like in New York, Utah, Cali, Texas. So I was like, let's just do our own thing. Let's just like Absolutely. get everybody. Let's just do this. So we were talking for about a month, like through the phone or MySpace at the time was big yeah. or whatever. Oh, MySpace. Me. <laughs> yeah. Throwing back. Yeah. So we were kind of tired of talking. I was like, let's try to meet up. I know we're all over the country, but so I drove from Texas all the way to Cali. It was about 20, wow. 22 hours just to meet up with like three other, four other amputees, just to hoop yeah. on a weekend. And wow. when we went there, I was like, Hey, let's, contact the local news yep. see if they want to do a story on it try to get the word out yeah the guy the news came out they did a story on us like hey we're trying That's to do cool. this nobody yeah. thinks we can do this we're just trying to prove like hey we're we're ballers we're not these yeah. disabled yeah so we we're kind of getting some traction it was pretty cool and then uh so we called it amp one amp one basketball right. kind of on words on play with the and one at the time yeah. the and yeah. one was hot but we were kind of going all over the country on our own. Like, now, did, you have, like these... did you have a nickname? Well, the, yeah. <laughs> so that, I didn't like the nickname. Uh, but uh, one of the guys kept calling me the chosen one because I was the one that kind of started the idea of all yeah. this. But I'm not a LeBron fan. And they, I know he's a chosen. <laughs> so it's like, I, I, I'm not I'm not down with that. <laughs> but anyway, we were uh, going to play like three on three tournaments here and there. And then a prosthetic company actually picked us up as a little sponsor. So they were helping us go to these places to play. Absolutely. And then we go to schools. We would go to schools to play and just basically talk about, you know, never giving up, yeah. like a positive message. So it was really Absolutely. cool. But um, I didn't really know where it was going. Absolutely. Like, I was like, all right, this is cool. I'm doing this. But like, I just kind of, I had this tug at my heart, like, all right, there's there's, There's more, more behind this. Open more, yeah, yeah. Yeah, is this really helping people? Like, is this just really showing what we can do? I was had a big conflict with that, and so it wasn't until I got asked to go play in a pro game, yeah, uh, up in Michigan. I thought it was a joke. I thought somebody's playing a prank on me, but uh, <laughs> one of there's a guy up in New York. Uh, shout out Peter Robert Casey. He's been like a huge supporter of everything I've been doing. We've never met in person, but he's always supported everything I've done. He's really big in the basketball world. Like he oh, knows wow. okay. all everybody. So like all the like articles I've been in, like ESPN, uh, uh, Dime Magazine, Slam, yeah. all that stuff. He's hooked me up with all that. So he's been oh, a big supporter. Dope. But he knew this guy that was like gonna do like a sports 
agency or something like that. So he got me in contact with him and we kind of talked for a while and he was trying to okay. get some stuff, but he was actually gonna, he knew the owner of one of these pro teams. So you have like the NBA, then you have like the G league, then you yep. have these independent pro leagues yep, yep. kind of all over the country. So this him and this coach up in Michigan called me on my phone late at night during the week. And he was like, Hey, I watched your videos. I've heard a lot about you. I want to see if you would sign a one day contract to come play with us. Oh, wow. And I was like, you know, I'm short, I'm white, I got one leg, like, <laughs> I don't, I know I'm not that good to be playing with these guys. And he's like, no, no, like, just come play, like, it'll be great, it'll be good. So I said, let me, I had to really think about it, because, again, that's just been my mentality, is like, I'm just yeah. not at that level. But I, the more people were talking to me about it, like, it's not really like me going out there proving I could score 20 or a triple double, yeah. it's just going out there showing I can at least play or hang with these guys being an APT. So I went to this game and this was kind of the turning point for me um, when I went to this game that uh, I remember it was in an old gym in Michigan. It was a very old gym. It was very cool looking, but above the gym or above one of the goals was yeah. Jesus, Jesus on a cross. Mm. I've, I've played at tons of gyms all over the country. This was the yeah. first gym. I've even played at gyms and churches. And wow, this was a school gym that had Jesus on it. And for some reason, I was just like focused on him. They let me go in there the day before and shoot around because that's just my yeah, calm down. Let me because uh -huh. I was really nervous about the game. So I just remember shooting around. I was like, man, I don't I don't I shouldn't be here. Like, this is I'm not that good. Like I met the guys before they're trying to go play professional overseas some have played right. college ball all these dudes are like six seven I'm yeah barely six foot so I'm like there's no way I should be here but I kept focusing on him and I was just like all right I'm here for a reason like I'm here I don't know what it absolutely. is absolutely so the game went on they started me I didn't want to be started but I was like we'll just roll with it yeah because it was their last game of the season that was another thing I told them I was like I don't want to go on a team and y'all are like fighting for a spot in the playoffs or yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to ruin all that, for <laughs> but everybody was cool with it. So the first half, I didn't do good at all. Like I remember okay. my first shot, my heel was on the line. I was out of bounds when I shot my three pointer. I was just so uh. nervous and I was just, and then in halftime, I have to go in the bathroom, take my leg off. Cause it gets, when it gets really sweaty, I just don't have very good control of my prosthesis. Okay. And so I remember one of my guys, uh, that came with me on the trip, one of my boys, he went in there with me and he's like, man, just chill. Like you're here. Like just have yeah, fun. Like yeah. who cares? Who cares what these people think? Like just go out and do your thing. And so I ended up hitting a few shots. It felt good, but I was just like, all right, I'm just ready for this game to be over. Absolutely. Like, this isn't me. So after the game was over, like I was just sitting there thinking like it hit me like, all right, this isn't what I'm supposed to be doing. Like I'm not supposed to be showing people I'm this good basketball player good athlete as an amputee and i remember this little bitty kid coming up to me he was probably two or three he had this huge he had this basketball and they said yeah. his mom he said he couldn't keep his eyes off you the whole game like he just wow. wanted to meet you so bad so i remember i was just talking with this little kid for like five ten minutes everybody else was trying to talk to me but i was like focused on this kid because i was like it was kind of showing me like, all right, I need to do stuff with kids because yeah. I, I feel like I make a bigger impact with kids and I can't just show on somebody like that doesn't think I can do something like it means nothing. Like if you don't think I can do something, that's fine. But like if yeah. I can make a positive impact on a kid, Absolutely. let me do that. So a few weeks after that trip, I told the guys like, hey, I'm going to go this route. Like 
y'all can have Antoine. I'm good. Like nothing against y'all. Like I think it's great because they want to. The whole thing with F1 is to create like a league, yep. competitive league. Yeah, yeah. I just, I was, I was just kind of done with the competitiveness. I wanted to like help kids and give back. So I was like, I'm gonna bounce. I'll give everything over. Like yeah. I have nothing to do, you know, negatively with that. But I was just like, I just want to go this route. Some people accepted it. Some people didn't like it so much. Which yeah. is, it is what it is. So, but what was, but what was that vision that you had? So my vision was, I wanted to help kids uh that went through basically what i kind of went through whether it be cancer or limb loss or anything like that uh and then you know pretty pretty good as anybody um not just with the hope and all that but the financial burden is is Ooh. ungodly like it's crazy <laughs> like my dad finally told me like we were over a million dollars in medical debt he was like i just can't pay it like what do they expect like you just can't pay that stuff <laughs> yeah so i was it's... like all right well so let me use so God's on, and this was around the time too, where I was, I was, uh, coming into my faith because I was playing, I was playing ball at this, at this church, the small church, very small church with this group of guys that I was kind of cool with. Yeah. And then we, when we would play that would kind of break, you know, an hour into playing mm-hmm. and say, Hey, we're going to do a devotional. I was like, what's a devotional? Why can't we just keep hooping? Like, what's going on? <laughs> and so, blocking your blessings, brother. <laughs> uh, I know. <laughs> so I would listen to the devotional and, you know, we would meet every Thursday and it was kind of, mm. it was feeding into me, you know, it was planting that seed and it was growing. And so yeah, yeah, doing that. And then when I go with this pro game, I'm like, all right, I think he's telling me like, you know, yeah. I gave you this gift. I gave you the ability to play ball as an amputee. I gave you the ability to do this. Don't do it for yourself, but do it for other people. See, and do God it, is you know, for his glory. Yeah. The spirit is growing. That's, that's amazing. Look, see, look, when you started off, the faith wasn't there like that. And oh, now, for sure, yeah. And so when I left, like I said, a few people were cool with it, but most people, they just, I mean, you wouldn't have to get into all that, but it was, yeah. it just wasn't friends you thought were friends. It was just like, all right. Oh, yeah. You, if that's, you if that, if that, colors. If that's how you feel, that's cool. But I, I feel called, I feel led to go do this. And there was one guy that, that, that believed in what I was doing and he left and went with me. And then we curated uh, what's ABI. It's our, it's a nonprofit we started. And basically we put on charity benefit games for kids that have cancer or limb loss. And so we've done about 13 events for kids and their families. Wow. So That's each amazing. event, each event is specifically for a specific kid. And then all yeah. the money we raise, everything we, we raise at the event online, all weekend, all week, it goes to that time. family. So That's I think amazing. we've done like 13 and we've raised like over 40,000 for these families to give to them, which is, I mean, honestly, it's a very small amount compared to the, the medical the burden that these families have. Yeah. Yeah. But while we're doing these events, we're trying to spread hope and love to them. Like, you know, we've yeah. been in your shoes. We know what you're going through. We're always a yeah. support system for them. So even though we do these events for these kids, some of them even come back and play with us or yeah. we try to keep in contact with them. It's just kind of another family connection that we try to have yeah. with them just to be like, you know, hold on to the hope and absolutely just kind of be a supportive, supportive group for the, the kids and their families as well. So, man, that's that's beautiful. A- ABI and positive deposits. We need to do something. We need to do something. I would love to, man. I know yeah. we talked about it before. But we did. Be we, awesome. and, it, and we're going to put it into play. We, we're going to put it, give yeah. it to God and put it into play. But that's that's amazing, you know, because like you said, the financial burden, especially if you don't have insurance, is huge. Yeah. I'll tell you, man, that. if I didn't have insurance, like just a week in the hospital, just a week in the hospital was over like less, like maybe like an eighth of a, of a, 
of a million dollars, you know? Yeah. And so um, now that's a blessing, man, it's that you, you went through this journey, you changed your love for sports and, and, and brought it to a good cause. And so shout out to ABI. Like, I mean, I think that's amazing. And, and please don't, don't even lose hope on that. And so um, it's, uh, it's one of those things that um, I'm, I'm blessed to, to, to meet you, man. Like in 2016, as we walked in that room and we walked in and I didn't know what to expect. And, you know, yeah. you, you were quiet, but we had our conversations and, I think I'm glad that, you know, you did, you know, show, show me some no look passes and I had a couple <laughs> points, but, but your three pointer was wet, man. And, and so I'm glad that we had that experience and I, I never, and I never looked back at that as a, as like, I just, it's just so memorable, you know, people it still is. don't believe that, you know, we were at the final four, we played on the court. Like yeah. they were like, what? You did, That's you were crazy, a Harvard yeah. hero? <laughs> It's crazy. Yeah, it was crazy. It was (laughs) crazy. And so, um, you know, thank you for sharing, man. And it's you made this a lot easier for me. Usually I have to ask questions, but every question I was about to ask you, you just kind of rolled right into what I (laughs) wanted to share with the world. And so um, we always ask our guests, you know, to share at least three positive deposits. You know, we're here to transform minds and change lives. And so for anyone that's listening that may be going through bone cancer or just cancer in general, um, what are three positive deposits that you would love to share with the world um, uh, as, after, as they hear your journey? Yeah, I mean, I think, I think uh, one of them would definitely be hope. You know, you got to have hope because you feel so, like, especially going through cancer or anything, a bad situation, whatever it may be, we all go through our situations. For us, it's cancer. For somebody else, it could be something totally different. But you feel like everything's taken away from you. You have no control of your life. But the one thing you you do have control over is hope. You can can hold on to that hope. And who you put your hope in is what matters too. You know, not Mm -hmm. looking to put your hope in other people or acceptance for other people. But like, all right, I'm in this situation. I'm not alone because he's there with me. So if I have hope and trust in him, I'll be all right. It'll work out. Even though it may be very dark and hard at that time, just yeah. know that it doesn't rain every day. There's light at the end of the tunnel and Absolutely. a good day is going to come. So um, yeah, hope. And then I think that kind of goes along with faith. Um, just Absolutely. having the faith that he can do anything like any, nothing's impossible. Like I was told for so many years, I would never be able to play basketball, do this, do that. I was, I mean, I couldn't tell you how many times I was told that. And even when I still go out, people look at me differently just because of the way I look, which, you know, it is what it is. And I know we both kind of maybe share that in a little sense, just because whatever, but it's at the end of the day, you know, you got to have that confidence in yourself and have that faith. Like, you know, if you have that faith in your, in yourself that I'm not going to let anything stop me. And yeah, you know, he's going to give me that strength to do this. I mean, yeah, the sky's the limit, you know, anything's Absolutely. possible. Absolutely. Yeah. The last one I think would be trust. Um, mm. And I kind of in, I wrote a kid's book uh, a few years ago and I put the message in there and the message has to do with trust. Yeah. So the book's titled me and JC, JC is short for Jesus Christ. Yeah. And so basically, so people always ask me like, how do you walk so well? Like, how do you run? Like, I just, cause especially in a new amputee, when you're a new yeah. amputee, you can't even take two steps cause you have this fear of falling and it's just, 
I don't think I'm ever, I, I even thought that when I first put it on, I was like, man, Absolutely. did I make the right decision? So I always get to ask that question. And so when I was writing this book, I was like, I don't want to just share my story, but I want to try to have a message behind it. And so it just yeah. kind of hit me when I was driving one day. So every morning, so people always ask me too, like, do you shower with your leg on? Do you yeah. go to sleep with it? Or I get all these weird questions from of these course. kids, yeah, yeah. <laughs> which is cool. <laughs> so I do take it off when I shower and I do take it off when I sleep. And so every morning I wake up, my leg is right there beside my bed next yeah. to my nightstand. It's right there. And so when I wake up, I have a choice. I don't have to wear my leg. I can choose not to wear my leg. I can choose to sit in bed, feel sorry yeah. for myself. I yeah. can choose a different route than what I'm choosing. Or I can choose to put this leg on mm -hmm. and know that I'm putting it on and I'm going to be committed at the beginning, one, to learning how this works, being committed to like, oh, I'm going to put in the work to do this, do that. Yeah. And so when you're first learning, when I'm learning how to work on my prosthesis, it's trust comes into play. Absolutely. Um, when I first when I first put it on, it felt like this hunk of metal or whatever was attached to me. It felt it felt foreign to me. It didn't feel a part of me yeah. at all. So as I'm learning how to use this prosthesis, I'm having to put some trust in it because if yeah. the way it works, when my when I put weight on the toe and I move my weight forward, that's when my knee bends. Mm. And so I have to know that it's doing that. And then when I swing my leg out, I have to make sure my heel is flat and that keeps my knee locked. That way it's wow. safe for me to walk over. So it's a whole process for me to learn. And the only way I'm going to learn that is just like me learning my jump shot is repetition, practice, yeah, repetition, practice, practice. Yeah. to yeah. where like my jump shot, even walking out, like I could do it blindfolded and yeah. I can walk fine. So going along with learning how to trust this leg is um, I had to build a relationship with it. So like, I don't I no longer see this leg as something that I have to put on. This leg is who I am. It's a part of me. It's, it, it makes me who I am. And so Absolutely. I think with the trust and the relationship, I think the same goes same. The same can be said for our relationship with Christ. Every Ooh, day we have a choice. Every day, we have, <laughs> every day we have a choice. You know, yes. we can be mad at the world. We can try to do things our own. We can pick out the negative. We can do all this stuff or we can say, all right, God, I know you're with me. Like, I'm going to follow you wherever you may lead me. Let's let's do this. And so just how my leg is leading me to learn how to walk. Yeah, I'm putting my faith and trust in God. Like, I don't know what the future holds. I don't know how rocky it's going to be. It may yeah. be good some days, maybe bad some days. But I trust you to know that you have me in this position for whatever reason and good or bad. I know that you're going to get me out of it and everything is going to be OK for your for your glory and not for mine, basically. So I think the same goes the same. So when people ask me how I, how I learn how to walk and run, it's, it's that relationship and trust. It's the same thing. How you grow with Christ is that relationship and trust. Man, that was so profound. And, and I love how it all tied in. Hope, faith, and trust in the Lord. And he'll yeah. work all your steps. And you trust yeah. in the process. So, man, this was a, a treat, but it was a, a pleasure. A yes, great sir. pleasure. You know, my brother from a different um, mother, different yes, color. <laughs> <laughs> but um, if folks want to reach out to you, you know, support, you know, your book or just follow you or just, you know, contact you. Uh, can we reach you on social media? Like uh, what are your handles or so we know how we can get in contact? Yeah. So Facebook is just my name, Scott Odom. And okay. then on Instagram, it's uh, Scott Odom underscore HGA. Okay. Uh, that's my Instagram and same thing with my, my Twitter and stuff. And then on my website, we're 
all that stuff's on there, scottaodom.com. And then as far as my nonprofit, it's uh, ABI Basketball or abisports.org is our website. Well, you heard it right there, abisportsbasketball.org. We can reach you on Instagram. And so um, I thank you so much for being on the show, man. It's an honor and a, a pleasure, an honor and privilege, excuse me, to be on. So like you can catch this episode on all of our streaming platforms, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio. And of course, you can tune in and see this live interview on our website, www.positivedeposits.org. And of course, whether it's ABI Sports Basketball or positivedeposits.org, every little bit helps. So definitely, you know, hit that donation button. And so once again, thank you so much, Scott. And we have definitely transformed minds to change lives. And with that, we're signing off. Appreciate you, bro. Appreciate you. Anytime.